At the end of the 1925 NFL season, the Chicago Bears embarked on a nationwide barnstorming tour. At the time, professional football was considered secondary to the college game, but George Hallis credited that tour across America with saving professional football. Stops along the tour included a Christmas Day game against the Coral Gables All-Stars and a New Year's Day game against the Tampa Bay Cardinals, led by Jim Thorpe. On January 2, 1926, the Bears earned their first win against a Jacksonville football team by defeating a respectable squad led by Ernie Nevers. The Bears would go on to enjoy competitive and financial success with what Hallis coined the golden age of professional football. But for Jacksonville, the January 2nd game against George Hallis and the Bears was the closest thing to NFL football Duval County would host for almost 70 years. Startup leagues such as the World Football League and the USFL weren't enough to quench the thirst for football in northern Florida. After a failed attempt at luring the Oilers away from Houston, Jacksonville lost all hope for professional football until the new era of NFL expansion. The history of football in Jacksonville is storied, but the story of the Jaguars' 2020 season may as well be history. The Bears made another trip to Jacksonville on Sunday to show local fans how football is played in the pros, poised for a big victory. This is David and Drew Sports Talk. on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jags, and they put themselves in position to battle for a playoff spot. David, what were your first impressions specifically of the offense before we get into any player-specific analysis, and what have they done differently that they weren't doing during that long losing streak? I think, Drew, what the Bears did this week was they continued to build upon the strong foundation they discovered on the offensive line with Mustafer and Whitehair and uh, Bars as well. Those three in the middle have been amazing pushing the line. And just reading comments and hearing what David Montgomery has said about how the big guys up front have have helped him and building the trust factor in terms of just moving on a scrimmage and adding that extra dimension the Bears have wanted on the ground was paramount in this game. And you saw it. The Bears put up 41 points in their 41-17 to win against the Jaguars. Um, While the Jaguars do have one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, I think this was a great feel-good game for the Bears, and ultimately the Bears played really well. Looking at next week, I think the Packers haven't looked the same against the run that they have in the past, so that might be something that comes back when we're talking about the Packers game. But when we're talking about the O-line, like you mentioned, can we just acknowledge that most of these guys were the same players that everybody wanted to fire and redraft first-rounders to replace, like Jermaine Fady, Charles Leno, and I guess you might lump in Alex Bars with that, and then Cody Whitehair. Like, all of these guys were on the chopping block seven weeks ago. You're right. There is a cohesiveness that's working for the Bears. And is it as simple as getting another quality center and interior alignment and Sam Buster? Is he, was he just, like, the missing link? And on top of that, what are the prospects for the future of this whole line when they're getting guys like James Daniels back? Like, are we going to be talking in a year about how this is an all-pro O-line? Like, kind of like in the same vein that we've heard about, you know, Vikings O-lines in the past. Is that what we're kind of on the precipice of? I think we could be. I mean, I don't know if you, if any of the folks out there have had a chance to read the article about Sam Mustafer, but on, from The Athletic, and it just show, it talks about a lot of his leadership and just the intangibles that he brings to the Bears other than stellar play. Um, he's a leader out there, and he commands the line of scrimmage and calls out the makes good calls on the line. 
Juan Castillo and Matt Nagy specifically have both said that Mustafer adds something to the Bears that they had been lacking in terms of taking control on the line and making the calls at the line to put them in the right position to uh, make big plays. I think that coupled with you know better decision-making from Trubisky has been great in the last three games, and that's why the Bears have won. But to talk about an all-pro line down the line, I, I you know nothing's impossible. Going into the year, if you asked Juan Castillo who's their best lineman, they probably would have said he probably would have said James Daniels and that he was continuing to improve before his injury. But then they found a diamond in the rough with Mustafer and they found the right combination now. So there's a lot of question marks kind of heading into the offseason and potentially playoffs here. And it will be really interesting to see how it plays out because the Bears have a lot of potential um, on that offensive line. And, you know, if you can protect the quarterback, that's a huge deal. Yeah, and in the past, you, you've highlighted about uh, four or five times about how these offensive linemen coming out of Notre Dame are they're, they're coached at a high level. So in, in retrospect, I guess it, it doesn't it's not a secret that these guys are capable. It, it's not necessarily a diamond in a rough sometimes, maybe, to say, oh, if we have two or three guys from Notre Dame who had high quality coaching and they're like freshman, sophomore year of college that then in their, you know, rookie and sophomore seasons and the pros that they might blossom into something special. So in some ways I agree with you in other ways, I think, yeah, this is making sense, but I mean, credit to Ryan Pace for the O-line, I think, and just, I guess it took a little time to find the right combo in terms of, what's going to work for what the NFL has developed into in the past, like, two or three seasons. It's, I think everyone would agree it's a different league than it was, like, three or four years ago. But we have to talk about Mitch Trubisky. You already kind of highlighted about the decision-making, and I think a lot of people would point to that decision that was very aggressive on that interception. David, what happened on that play? What can the Bears do against the Packers to make sure that that play doesn't happen because in the past it seems like when the Bears do miss the Packers make you pay. Yeah I mean you can't make mental mental or physical errors in front of the Packers there's little room for error the Packers are arguably the best team in the NFC and will probably be the favorite to win the NFC championship going into this uh, playoff. In terms of Trubisky's decision I think he's getting more confident comfortable by throwing especially to Robinson, and he was trying to fit it in to Robinson on a jump ball opportunity there. Based on how the game was filmed, you know, via the CBS broadcast, it was hard to tell what Trubisky was seeing because it was happening on the far end of the field closest to us, so we couldn't see how the play was developing. But from what I understand, Trubisky was trying to give a jump ball to Robinson, but he, it, you know, obviously it was in a crowded area, and it didn't work out as well as he had envisioned it had. Yeah, and I like the confidence, though. You got to take away, like, he was confident that he could make something happen. And so I like that aggressiveness. But you're right, it was a jump ball that he tried to force in there. I don't know if I would call that indicative of bad decision-making, though. I think that, like, with football especially, you need to, like, view the whole game and view the complete picture. And so I think time and time again, we tend to focus in or dial in on little impact plays and we've done that here in the past too but on the whole he looked great on Sunday Mitch is a competitor he's starting to look like that Josh Allen style player you know he's not Mahomes but he's got a lot of fight left in him he's got a lot of potential to just keep developing keep getting better and honestly it's like you look at the stat sheet and 
over the course of what, like eight actual games so far. I mean, like he's had a pretty good season. New Orleans. If you prorate that over the course of a whole season, if he hadn't been benched, he has a really good season. And on top of that, too, I mean, in those nine games or so, maybe you call them eight right now, but after the end of the season nine, he is eclipsing what he did in his rookie season. So, like, the best football he's played is arguably this year. What really bugs me is that it's so easy to pile on a quarterback when that's the story. Everybody wants it to be either somebody's completely bad or somebody's completely good. And the fact is, in the NFL, going into this offseason, there's going to be, like, what, 20 teams who are going to shuffle quarterbacks around? The reality is there aren't 20 terrible quarterbacks. It's just a matter of the it's a business. And so he's not bad. He's good. He's a good quarterback. And I don't know if you have a different opinion, David, but – this is really getting ridiculous. Like people hammer him on single plays week in, week out. He played amazing. His, and people want to come for his accuracy. He's throwing accurate balls. I, I, I don't know what we can say to get through to people. Like look at the whole game. Yeah. I mean, Trubisky played pretty well. He was 24 for 35 with 265 yards and two TDs. He played really well. I think why people harp on him so much is he'll sometimes make decisions that put the Bears in a bad position or put them in a compromising position that could lead them to lose the game. This past weekend, he did not put them in a position to lose the game because he he was so um, confident in his decision-making and made great throws. I think the reason why people were on him, especially this past Sunday with the pick that he threw in the end zone on that supposed jump ball, was you know, if he, I think everyone sees the ability Trubisky has physically, but it's just putting that mental part of the game there. And I know he was trying to make a play, but, you know, when you're in field goal range and you try to force it like that instead of throwing the ball over the receiver's head, sometimes just playing, making the safe play like that when you have such a large lead is a smarter decision than trying to force it and turning over the ball and putting your defense in a compromising position. That being said, though, I'm really proud of the Bears. They finally are breaking through their third quarter you know, drought of not being able to score very much, many points. They put up 21 this past Sunday. Yeah, well, two things. When you're talking about field goal range, isn't that just a relief to know that Santos can't go out and make those long kicks? We don't have to worry about, you know, field goal range being within the 20-yard line anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. you have a kicker. You're right. He could have made a smarter decision. Um, but, you know, I would argue, I would push back on one point you said of that Mitch makes decisions that puts them in the chance to lose, you know, in compromising situations. But you look back at the schedule, like, he made smart decisions against the Giants. I guess maybe the Falcons in that game, he just wasn't quite at the level they wanted him to be. And then the one other, I mean, I thought he made good decisions against the Packers despite the score and despite the loss. I mean, it seemed to me like the Bears were just throwing, like, Hail Marys on three and outs, like, they were not calling a good game, so they weren't putting him in the position to make those decisions. And the Lions, it wasn't like he decided to get strip sacked. You know, like I, I don't, I, I think that even you can make an argument that this whole seat on the whole. I mean, I don't want to play what if right now, but if he started those other games, you gotta wonder what this team would be looking like right now. But not to relitigate that, but it, it, it's just something to think about. I mean, definitely. I think another thing that we have to think, keep in mind is the offensive line at one point was pretty decimated and they were trying to find the combination that works. And I think the thing that Coach Nagy keeps expressing and every, all Bears fans for that matter keep asking is, 
you know, wish we could have, you know, found this combination sooner. Obviously, this is a tough year because not only were there physical injuries, but there are also some COVID incidents where we they had to make decisions on the fly and try to find people to, you know, put a body out there. Obviously, it's led to opportunities for like a Sam Mustafer, who's been awesome. And moving forward, I, you know, the Bears might be could be dangerous if if Trubisky just cleans up that one little mental error he makes instead of trying to force something and plays how he played against Jacksonville in the last three games. I think the Bears will have a shot against every team, and that's not me being a Homer Bears fan. I I do think they have a lot of good pieces on the team. It's just getting them all in, in synchronicity. That's something that hasn't been consistent enough this year. And if it had been more consistent, we probably would have been looking at a maybe a 10-win team instead of a 8-9 to nine win team. Yeah, I do think there's an aspect of the Bears that they could look kind of like the 2007 Giants. You know, they have I would a really love that, man. That you can't argue with, and they have a quarterback who can get hot at the right time. And so, yeah, there is an argument to be said, but I think long-term, just the way that this Bears team has been managed, they're not managed to be the perennial contender right now, and I think you could argue that they might be built to be that. But to be a perennial contender in the league, you need to be competing for that that playoff buy. And so it, it, to be in that conversation, you need to be in the position that the Packers, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Bills, like those teams that are above that like 11-game win threshold, that's what when you're talking about actual contenders. But right now what they are is they're a team that's just trying to get what they can get. And so, yeah, they could look like kind of that, like, that Giants, just the right team at the right time. And, yeah, you could win a Super Bowl doing that. But like we've seen in the past, teams that do that don't go on to compete and be in, like, six straight or seven straight championship games like the the Patriots have, you know. And so I think looking long term, I would hope that the Bears assess and make decisions and put themselves in the position to be those real contenders and forces to be reckoned with because I think they have the potential. But yeah, you're right. This Bears team looks good. And I think a lot of it is Jimmy Graham played great. What did you see on Sunday uh, out of Jimmy Graham? And is it as simple as having Cole Kmet there to take pressure off of Graham that is opening him up? Or is it just the route combos? I'll backtrack, Drew, actually. Um, I think it actually had to do with the running game. I think because Jacksonville had to respect Montgomery's ability to carry the ball and create easier opportunities to convert on um, – you know, second, third down, um, that opened up the playbook. And I think when Nagy's able to have his full playbook or give more options to his skill position guys, uh, people will shine. Obviously, heading into the season, the Bears wanted to pick up another scoring threat, and they picked up Jimmy Graham, who's been consistently throughout his career a big scoring threat. And I think the thing is, now that Cole Komet has is playing a larger part in the offense, it takes a little bit. It takes a lot more of the burden off of Jimmy Graham. And it also, for that matter, Trubisky was able to get it to multiple people and Allen Robinson, who had 10 receptions, and other guys like Mooney was getting involved. So it's like you're finally getting full disposal of uh, the guys that you brought in. Yeah, and one thing to note, too, is that Cole Kmet had, what, 90% of the offensive snaps, whereas Jimmy Graham had 46% of the snaps. And so... But like we said in the past where they were using Jimmy Graham to block and just they were getting blown up on, like, inside zone plays, it seems like Cole Kmet has been able to carry the load of the blocking tight end for, for real now, which which kind of puzzles me because we've heard in the preseason about how 
they define their positions on tight end as separate positions. And so to have seen Jimmy Graham blocking earlier in the season, only to see Kmet now be that blocker, it's like, were they switching positions? That aside, apparently now they've found their right positions, and now Jimmy Graham is able to excel, like you said. So maybe that that's part of the equation. But it's almost like we're starting to see like this offense is getting logjammed because some guys – it's like every week there's a new guy who's playing amazing, right? I mean, like someone who's kind of regressed is like Anthony Miller. He's been inconsistent, but earlier in the year, I thought like he looked like he could get really kind of like into the mix in this offense. But now it's like there's so many weapons. Now that you just highlighted the run game, David Montgomery's taking the burden off of this Bears team for finding a running back. You know, he's excelled in the past two weeks. I mean, really four weeks or so. And so... Yeah, I, 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 what, what's the outlook? It's a good question, Drew. I think what's going to be different is I think the play calling as compared to the previous Packer game, you know, obviously the Bears are a pass-first offense, and I think now with Montgomery's ability to create big plays and open up the playbook, I think Nagy will lean a little bit more on Montgomery because, you know, we're getting into colder weather. We need to be able to, like, take the burden off of long pass plays, especially with inclement weather coming up. There's going to be snow on the ground potentially from Saturday's snowfall and previous snow. Another thing is I think, uh, you know, I, a lot more use of the tight ends going into this game. I, I expect uh, Cole Komet to have a play a bigger part, especially uh, to compliment A-Rob because A-Rob is always good for a good 10 yards. That seems to be his average every time he catches the ball, but Komet is going to be the guy that will open up the playbook, I think, for the Bears. So that, that might be um, connected to Packers, linebackers <laughs> not being quite what they have been in the past. But I, I got to agree with you that the tight ends are going to be really important. Looking back on the season, like we have the benefit of being retrospective in this final game. But really, I think the tight ends getting their – kind of game plan together has kind of been where the offense and the whole team started to turn around, right? Like it almost seems like as soon as they started getting their tight ends involved in like the entire game plan, it's looked a lot different. So I would agree that, yeah, Sunday, you're right. Cole being involved in the offense will probably be key. And, you know, we got to talk about the Bears defense though, because they're going up against the, what, the number one scoring offense right now. They have the most points scored, yeah. I think, in the NFL. <clears throat> and the but, Packers were looking good on Monday night. But here's the counterpoint. The Bears defense, although they're, what, ranked at, like, the ninth defense or so, they're, like, they're not quite the number one defense that they were in the past few seasons. But, boy, even with guys injured, they're certainly playing like it. Roquan Smith had a huge game. He, I think, was beat out by, like, two tackles um, by a player on the uh, Jaguars for the most tackles in the game. But the thing was that Jaguars player was like the safety. <laughs> and that's never yeah. good when you're, your leading tackler is the safety. So Roquan Smith was making tackles, chasing guys down. He didn't have a TFL this game, but he had a, a two interceptions. Yeah, good hands on that one that bounced off of a defender. Yeah, I think it bounced off uh, Danny Trevathan. So yeah. these linebackers for the Bears are looking really good. And the thing is that when we've seen this new look Packers uh, team in the post McCarthy uh, era, they have really had trouble against the Bears when our linebackers are playing well. And so 
what more could we want out of this defense right now? I mean, even with the decimated secondary in the past two weeks, right? Like Jalen Johnson was, um, I don't know. Did, he had a shoulder like, injury. Like, that Shoulder injury. Yeah. Tayshawn Gibson may have been out. Yeah. They, they've had a few injuries. But the, the rookies yeah. have stepped up, though. Vildor and uh, yeah. Shelley have been great. Yeah, Kendall Vildor, I think, looks amazing. He had a really great open field tackle, I think, in the first quarter. And I, I think he he's a guy who gives me a lot of hope for the next few years because it's like we've seen where, like, Duke Shelley has developed. And it's like some guys have different timelines. Jalen Johnson was an immediate player. He was – ready to impact. That doesn't mean his ceiling is higher or lower than Vildor's. It just means his timeline is a little different. So I think last Sunday was really great to give a guy like Vildor reps. You know, he hasn't gotten a lot of defensive reps. And heading into a game against the Packers where even if you are healthy, you might need depth. I mean, we've seen it in championship games, right? Like, if you don't have guys ready to go, it, it can be bad it's like that those reps are really imperative to being a team like the Packers. So, I mean, this defense, they're underrated. And I know that sounds really crazy to say when everybody knows the Bears have a good defense, but the fact is they are because they're not getting quite those same numbers that on like this, the stat sheet of like sacks, like maybe the, even the Packers have like Zedarius Smith looks amazing. Like he's got like what almost like 13 sacks this year. And just because the Bears aren't producing those numbers doesn't mean they aren't an elite defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Past when the Bears defense went up against a really good like offensive talent, they really had a chip on their shoulder and made it a point to shut down players like Dalvin Cook. So here's my question, David. Do you see that this defense kind of adds another, like, just a feather to the hat? in shutting down Aaron Rodgers and making a statement heading into the playoffs? Or do you see it just being a, a game where the Bears are going to have to get lucky? I think the latter. Uh, Bears are going to have to get lucky. And it's not because I don't think the defense is good. And it's not because I don't think the offense is improved. I just think the Packers are just so good. Packers are coming off an amazing performance against the Titans this past Monday night. And they just dominated Rodgers, and they were playing in snow. And Rodgers threw four touchdown passes, like with ease. You know, I, I think the Bears they have a great defense. And yes, has it been? Is it as good as last year's or the previous years? No, but um, they're still pretty good. People also have to keep in mind that Cleo Mack has been nursing an injury, an undisclosed injury, the whole year. We have had injuries in the in the secondary. Also, people forget Buster Screen has been on IR as well are not injured reserve, but he's been week to week. And um, I think the Bears have definitely improved on offense. It will be interesting to see if the Packers do choose to play all of their top guys. They are the number one seed currently in the NFC, and I do know that they've clinched division. However, I do not know if they have uh, clinched playoff advantage throughout the playoffs. I, I believe that there's a, there's a scenario where the Saints could be that. Okay, um, so they're going to go all out this weekend then. Yeah, and like you said, the Packers are good. Devontae Adams is one of the best, if not the best, in the league this year. I mean, there are arguments to be made for a couple guys. I mean, Stefan Diggs definitely does, has an argument to be made. But, and I mean, you look at the other talent like Tyreek Hill, but – I mean, Devontae Adams is having, like, what 
a career year. I mean, he looks great. And then uh, Robert Tanyan, the mm-hmm. young tight end for the Packers, who, you know, he makes impact plays. You know, Tanyan isn't like one of those players where he'll burn you like in the red zone every time. He's a guy who will burn you down the seam when it's like third and 15. You know, so those type of impact plays, they are tough to cover. Um, and I believe Tanyan is a, is a local guy. I think he grew up in McHenry. So it'll definitely be interesting to see some of those storylines play out. But you're right, the Packers are good. The Bears are playing their best football that they probably played in about, like, 30 games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, you skip over that 2019 season maybe, but they're playing really good football right now. Um, and maybe we can really do um, a kind of diagnosis on what happened this season after Sunday. But the Packers are playing at Soldier Field. It's going to be bare weather. Who do you have in this game? It sounds like you're leading Packers. I am leading Packers. I think the Packers are going to win 31-24. I think it will actually be a closer game than most people will think. I think the Bears will come out with a lot of heart, a lot of pride. I know um, Nagy's done a great job of keeping morale high in the Bears, even when they had their six-game skid. But I'm going to go 31-24 Packers. And I also think the Bears will sneak into the playoffs because the Arizona Cardinals will lose. I'm – well – Gosh, now we have to make two picks. I mean, I'm going to take the uh, Cardinals in that game against the Rams. I mean, just for the record, um, you know, I think if, especially if Murray plays. But but that aside, I'm, you know, call me crazy. I'm taking the Bears this week. I, I think that, uh, you know, I've always been a firm believer of sort of two philosophies of football, and that is that the best – best players make big time plays in big time games and at least players with high compete level. And I think that almost for the middle of the season, it's like the bears are waiting for a really meaningful game to really put it on the line. And now they finally have it against their division rival. And the management has always said priority is to beat the Packers. And I just think we're going to see a lot of the bears best football on Sunday. And so, yeah, the Packers look great, but, you know, you look at the past, what, like five games they've played? It's like, okay, Tennessee, who hasn't looked quite what they look like midseason, the Panthers, the Lions, the Eagles, and then the Bears when the Bears were not looking how the Bears have looked. Those were their past five wins. I don't know. I might call that kind of a weak schedule. So I'm going to take the Bears. I, I would agree with you that it's, gonna, it's not going to be as high scoring, I think, as – we're expecting but i do agree that each team will have three touchdowns at least but i think it's going to be a really strange score i think those crazy guys in the analytics offices are going to have some influences over the coaches (laughs) this week and so i think it's going to be what david likes to call an ugly score and i'm going to call 25 22 bears oh wow that's a very unsexy score yuck well, the sexiest thing about that score is the Bears win. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and David's already pre- previewed. we got major playoff implications. The Bears are in control of their destiny. And we'll see what happens this Sunday when the Bears take on the Packers at Soldier Field. 